Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Weems podcast. We're so glad to have you listening in today. Before Carrie joins us in today's episode, we want to remind you that the best way to keep up with all the latest content being released by Carrie is to follow her on social media. She's on Instagram and Twitter, so follow her at Carrie Weems, and you can also find her on Facebook as well, and even comment to let us know how much you're enjoying the podcast and the teaching that Carrie has been bringing to all of us. And don't forget, you can always visit CarrieWeems.com to learn more about her and to see a full list of the books, curriculums, and resources that she has recently released. Thanks again for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining me at the Carrie Weems Podcast. I'm super excited to continue our series on uh, emotional intelligence today. And um, last week, if you remember, we talked about the ABCDE theory um, of working through your emotions and looking at them objectively, redefining and reframing experiences that cause uh, negative feelings in you, so you can become more aware of not just what you're, not just what circumstances you're experiencing, but also the story that you're telling yourself about those things that causes you to feel a certain way. And so today we're going to dive right in to uh, talking about the whole realm of self-perception. And if you remember when I was talking with John Wyatt, um, self-perception has three areas. It has self-regard, self-actualization, and emotional self-awareness. And today I'm going to be talking about uh, the area of self-regard. And I wanted to kick off with this really because it's really uh, a big hurdle for a lot of people. Most of the people that I coach have had a really, um, you know, they have a they have a, a deficit in this area. And self-regard simply means accepting yourself just as you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, warts and all, and having a realistic opinion of yourself. Self-regard is not like um, having an inflated opinion of yourself, and it's not having a super negative opinion. It really is trying to get as close as possible to a realistic judgment of who you are and accepting that judgment and accepting the limitations of, uh, of who you really are and celebrating the good, good things about it. So I wanna talk about that a little bit today, and I have an incredible guest that is very dear to me, and her name is Carrie Simpson. And uh, Carrie is, um, if, you've ever, if you've been to church for any amount of time, you have heard us talk about the fact that we see a counselor and our kids do, and we have one that works with our family. And this is her, everybody. Say hi, Carrie. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. We're so glad to have you. So we jokingly call her the third parent because she's literally helped us raise our kids. And uh, they would not be shy about saying that at all. They tell their friends and try to get, in fact, try to get their friends to her all the time. <laughs> um, so I wanted to bring her in because you really have helped us with our kids um, help them develop this sense of self-regard, which in your world would really be called, oh, let me just first of all say about your world. So, oh, we have to ask you this too. What, we have these icebreakers, table topics, and so everybody gets to pick one. Okay. So this one is yours and it says, what is your favorite month of the year? I guess my favorite month would be June because it's an exciting month. Things are getting warm, the kids are getting out of school, people are anticipating their summer and all their activities. It's a fun month. That is a fun month. And vacation's kind of ahead of you Mm -hmm. and your work is behind you. So obviously you work in the school system. I do. And what do you do? Tell us a little bit about what you do there. I do mental health counseling for children and their families in the public school, all the way from kindergarten through 12th grade. And now uh, 12th graders can stay in some schools till they're 22. Are you serious? Yes. Wow, how did that happen? Is that like a new thing? It may be, and they just need that much time to be able to get out. Wow, mm-hmm. that is something. I had no idea about that. It's interesting that you do, uh, so it says here in your bio that you work with kids K through 12. Right. And so 
I think a lot of people don't realize how much stress little kids are under. I think we're starting to understand more about high school students and how much they carry. Sure. But I, I would think, when I think of kids, I think of carefree and why would you ever be stressed? I mean, obviously there can be, you know, some severe or unusual uh, circumstances, but what kind of stresses are typical for kids in elementary school? Well, one thing lately with uh, kind of the mass shootings that we've mm -hmm. seen is that the kids are frightened. Oh, wow. Okay. And they think, what if this happens at our school? And because school staff wants to be prepared, yeah. they train the children with uh, code red. Wow. Where they have to get under their tables and seek shelter, and they don't know if it's a drill or not. Wow. And so they really internalize that and have nightmares about it. Whoa. I speak to kids about so that. So they'll just do the code red and you really don't know because they want everyone to be as urgent about it as possible. Right. And so the kids are really thrown into an, a very anxiety-ridden situation sort of at random. That's true. So that oh. they can be prepared. Well, that's a pretty big stress. Mm -hmm. And other than that, what other kinds of stuff? Are they, do they, does, it, does that experience make some kids want to avoid going to school? Yes, definitely. So we work with school avoidance and how to get them uh, brave enough to come and believe the best about their day. Wow, that is something. And how old are, like, just an elementary school, kindergarten, or? All the way, elementary, I have middle schoolers who, oh, in my middle school that I go to often, I had a fellow tell me just this week, he heard through social media that gangs were planning to shoot up the school wow. system. And so he was quite nervous and wanted to get up the courage just to ask mom if that could possibly happen. So there's anxiety there in sharing vulnerability with parents if that's not something that perhaps the culture encourages. Yeah, wow. That's something. It's, and it does seem like these kids, it's, it's kind of a catch-22 because you want to report on the news and let everybody know what's going on. But right. to the wrong person, the person looking through the wrong filter, that could almost look like being glorified for what you did. It feels, feels like a twisted form of affirmation almost. Yes, that's really true. It's really, it's really weird. So in your world of counseling, and it says here that you, you got your business degree from Florida, that's your bachelor, and then your master's degree from Liberty University. Yes. And you were also a paramedic. Yeah, I served 10 years as a paramedic here in Jacksonville. <laughs> wow. On the ambulance. And, and so what caused you, you went from there to school for counseling. Right. And what was the bridge that, what was the thing that? Well, in town, if you're on the ambulance, they will allow two gentlemen to ride together, but if you're female, you'll always have a partner who's a male. Okay. And so all through the years, I would chat with the guys that I rode with and try to help them out with their relationships and their <laughs> kids. And so they would say to me, Carrie, you should go to school for counseling. <laughs> and so finally I did. You said, I, I think I will. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Oh, I love that. You were already kind of moving in that gift before you made the choice to pursue it. That's really cool. And so in your world, I talked about self-regard. We call it self-regard, but in your world of counseling, you had a different way of framing that, the concept. And so tell us about that. I call it um, a strong sense of self. Okay. And that is a little bit different from self-esteem. Yeah, tell me about the difference between those two. Okay, self-esteem is kind of how we feel about ourselves and that can be fluid and be a little bit different from day to day. But a sense of self, as you said earlier, mm -hmm. is who we are. Yeah. And the stronger that becomes, the more solid we become, almost like yeah. a rock. Okay. But starting off in life, depending on how a person was raised and 
really a mix between their temperament and their environment. Yeah. They may begin anywhere from a very weak sense of self, not knowing yeah. who they are, all the way to a strong sense of self. It almost operates on a continuum, a spectrum. Wow. Okay. And so why would you think, okay, um, why would you think that, well, let's back up in the process a little bit. How do we develop this sense of self or self-regard? How do we develop this? Where's the, how does that happen for us if we're young, when we're little? I think it, a lot has to do with the home environment, the parental unit, whoever's there, because our parents kind of call us into our identity. Okay, that is so, that's really important because one of the things you shared with Stubal and I is that you might think your children are not, they're not listening at all to you, but your voice is still the most important voice in their life. Even if they're not, you know, if they're not acknowledging it, they still are listening. They right. don't want you to know that. So how do we, how does that work for kids? How do, we, how, do their, how do their parents call their identity out? It's very key that we speak over our kids all the time, mm -hmm. more positive actually than negative. Wow. As parents, you know, we're called to guide and correct mm -hmm. and see things that aren't quite right and, you know, steer our children to the way they should go. But equally, if not even more important, it's important to watch our children and find the good that they're doing yeah. and call that out and name it and then also be able to separate their behavior from actually who they are. Wow, do you think that is difficult in your experience working with parents that it's difficult for them to sometimes separate emotionally? I do, I think that's tough on parents sometimes because they see what their kids do and they say, you know, all manner of things about them, you know. How could they do this? What kind of person does stuff like this? And, and so what is so important is to know that children receive their value and worth by belonging, because it's all about who wants us, not necessarily who needs us. Wow, that's good. And who we belong to is how we gather worth. It's even like the pets that we have. You know, we love our little pets, really not based on their behavior at all, but because they're ours. Yeah. You are mine. And yes, you made a mistake here and there, and you've done these Messed things. Messed up the carpet, chewed up the sofa. Exactly. But you're, you belong to us, and we love you, and we're keeping you. And even as basic as that sounds, we need to let our children know that that is the case. That they, they can't be disowned, by their, or their behavior is not something that we're going to reject them for. Like exactly. They, they, we're here to stay. You belong with us. That sense of belonging is so powerful. And so one of the things I heard you sort of saying in, in different words is, we really need to focus on making more deposits into our children as they're young, making more speaking to what's in them, like making more deposits in the sense of, oh, you're really good at that, or wow, I just love you. I had so much fun talking to you and celebrating what's good about them. And I think, I know from my experience, I get, you get so busy that you're thinking if, if the kid isn't saying anything, <laughs> no news is good news. And if, I, if they're just not, you know, wrecking the house or fighting with their brother or sister or doing bad at school, I just need to reprieve. And you almost, it can get to the point, especially if you have lots of kids and you're working very busy that you're just like, Phew. All right, you're good for a little bit. Let me go focus on this one. And it can be almost harder, I think, to remind yourself to make those deposits. Um, what are some ways that parents, some, some practical things that parents can even say to their kids? I think we get like, oh, good job. But they're, they're, when you say depositing that self in them, how can we do that as parents? From, talk about like the younger stages and then maybe how that differs from middle school, high school. Okay, I guess when they're little, you know, letting them know, even in the car seat, I've seen mm -hmm. this done with little people, 
and let them know that, honey, yes, today you had bad behavior, but you're a good boy. Mm -hmm. And so that they can learn from an early stage, I am not what I do. I that's am not really my good. behavior. That's good. I love so that's that. that's one way to do it. And they can take in the attitude of it, even if they don't understand every single word or if they don't, right? Uh-huh. They we, sure can. They yeah. can feel what's kind of coming off the parent and um, kind of internalize it. Good. That's good. That's good to know. So we shouldn't think that our younger kids, like if they're in preschool or whatever, that it's not worth it to try to instill that in them. It is, it is worth it. They are understanding. They're taking something. They're being filled up. That's right. Yes, we can actually impute value into somebody by what wow. we say. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Forget to say, and when you forget to say the positive things, what does that communicate? Well, it could <laughs> communicate a I don't care attitude, mm -hmm. or the child could think, well, maybe there is nothing positive about me going wow. on. Just because nothing was specific. And you would think, doesn't that kind of happen automatically? But it doesn't happen it doesn't. automatically. It has to be very intentional. And so what would that look like for kids in elementary school? Was, how is a way, especially because that's when you're starting to get the test grades back and you're starting to notice maybe you're getting picked last at recess and those little things are starting to crop up in later elementary school, right? The second half. That's right. And so how can we, um, you know, speak to the sense of self? We want to make sure that we verbally tell our little ones that we love them. And I had a, a fellow the other day who's a dad, and he said, well, I go in at night after they're sleeping, and I tell them I love them, and I kiss them on the forehead, and I, I let him know that, well, I want you to turn that into a daytime activity. Because <laughs> the, the children need physicality from their parents. They need to be pursued and touched yeah. and hugged with good words, and yeah. I love you is so powerful. It I have is. so many kids say they've never heard that come from their parent. We had a really powerful moment um, a couple of Wednesdays ago in church. Um, had a really awesome prayer time. And uh, the, the Holy Spirit really moved on my heart to go, you know, stand on the pulpit, stand, in the, stand on the platform as really a mother in the house, the mother of the house, and tell people that I'm so glad you were born. Yes. And you make the world such a better place because you're here. Because my mom used to say that to me all the time. And I would say it to my kids. I'm so glad you were born. I'm so glad God gave you to me. You make my life so happy because you're here. You make my world better. And just wanted them to know that. And I really realized that so many, most people, not most, I don't know, but a good many people have probably never heard that from their mothers. It, it's so important because the enemy is whispering things into the little people's inner ear, mm -hmm. you know, telling them they're a mistake. And so when that happens, because the parent has made a deposit, the child has a weapon to fight with yes. and say, well, that certain, I heard that inside of me and that thought and it absolutely can't be true because my mom and, or my dad said that they're so glad to have me. So it's easier so not than, a mistake. right, for them to dismiss a, that kind of attack. It's sort of instead of, you talked about the solid self, sort of instead of that bomb of self-destruction, finding a place to land and rest, it bumps up against the solid self and bounces out almost. You can think of it visually maybe like that. That's true. That's a great um, analogy. And so the parents have so much to, to um, contribute in creating that solid self. And I remember when I said that, people began to weep in the, in the congregation. And I knew that so many of them had not heard that from a parent and maybe even wondered, is the world a better place because I'm here? Would it be a better place without me? Right. And that is a typical characterization of very depressed thoughts that it doesn't matter that I'm here, the world would be a better place without me. And we're hearing younger and younger kids say this. And certainly not to shame parents. I mean, some, some not, 
some parents don't do this sometimes because they don't know to do it or they just don't think about it. They don't, like I said, your life is hugely busy and you think, okay, they're not saying anything, so let me just focus on this right now. But just to remember, it doesn't have to be a big ordeal. It just needs to be a, consistency is more important than something really big. And And children really just wanna be with their parents Mm -hmm. when their parents are having a happy moment. Yeah. And that togetherness is so powerful for a child. And it doesn't really involve having to go to the trampoline place or to the movies. It's just a matter of being together and playing a game of cards or something yeah. for 15 minutes. Or just looking at each other, putting your phone down, just talk, like having to talk. That's good. And those yes. sometimes are the most, you have to just be present and wait for those to pop up, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially as your kids get older. You know, they'll come in your room and it's, you know, late. It's like 11 o'clock and you're just ready to hit, just go to bed and they'll come in and say, can you talk? And you want to go, no. <laughs> I've been with you for six hours. Why do you want to talk right now? But um, sometimes I think they need to relax. And I, I try to never turn that request down because good things can really happen in those moments. And it's just a little it's better to just be a little tired the next day. That's really to true. turn it down. Um, so we've kind of circled around this, but really what are some reasons that I'm an adult, because this has honestly been the self-regard or sense of self is, is really was a big struggle for me. It was kicking my butt for a long time. And I wouldn't have called it solid self. I would have said, I just don't have confidence. I just, I'm lacking this confidence. Like if I, I would start something and then the first pushback I got, I would stop it and um, very easily dissuaded from things or uh, just discouraged, really easily discouraged. And um, it, it was it really what it was. I think it was this self-regard thing. And I had a very happy home. It wasn't like, you know, my parents were, they're wonderful people. We have a good relationship now. What are, what are some reasons though that, you know, barring really exceptional circumstances, um, we might not develop that growing up? Well, we could have very um, strong personalities in our parents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there are times when the child doesn't have quite the strength and personality Mm -hmm. that the parent does. And so the child will kind of submit or yield and not really push too hard to give an opinion. Yeah. And the parent knows best. So that, you know, they think. And so the child has a tough time at that juncture developing a strong sense of self. So one one Mm -hmm. thing that's key with our little ones is to allow them to teach us things. Oh, okay. Even as a small person. Like t- like a little kid, maybe show me how you did built this block with le- this Lego thing. Exactly. Right. Or then, and they will go to school and they'll learn something and they'll let us know that. Oh my! Um, I'll say something like middle schoolers would say, like, "Did you know the World War II was back sometime during the Depression?" And of course we did. <laughs> but we want to respond. Wow, that is so interesting that you learned that, and because we want to keep them talking, we want to yeah. draw them out because the more we can permit them to enlighten us, the yeah. stronger their sense of self will become. And that's because, why, why is that? Why is that really important for kids to be able to, one of the things words you use, influence us and teach us as parents, what does that do for them? Something you mentioned about the confidence level. Mm-hmm. Confidence comes from competence, okay, a feeling of competency. That. And so, when a person feels like they do something well, mm-hmm. they feel much better about themselves. That's good. And they're much less easy to be kind of have the rug pulled out from them yeah. in other areas. Yeah. So building that is, is one important thing. And so when they are able to teach their parents, like here's my parent and my dad or my mom, and 
wow, I taught them something they didn't know. That's got to be a huge confidence builder it is. for a young kid. It is, and that their parent listened. And what happens is that the child grows up and they are less likely to be damaged by the insults of others yeah. because they can always go back to, well, I really don't care what that person says about me because my parents think I'm cool. Yeah, and I, I think how belonging plays into this because if you belong to your, if you have that strong sense of belonging in your family, that's your primary identification, really. I mean, you're gonna be, start identifying with your peers and we all know that happens as you hit the teen years. But if you have that strong identification with your family, then that's your primary identification. You don't actually, your peer group is not your whole world. Right. You have this other safe place where you belong and you will always have that. And so this doesn't have to be everything to you. You have this other option. And I've seen that even as a teacher, I saw that kids who had really strong families or if they, even if they didn't have you know, super strong families, if they had a really strong church group that they were a part of or another kind of strong group that sort of their school friends, they, they were important for sure, but they weren't everything. Their exactly. world did not rise and fall on the opinion of their peers. Right. It gave them another place where their sense of self and their confidence was being formed. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's so important and certainly the family is the best place for that to happen, you know, but it doesn't always happen there. And it is good to know that kids can, if needed, get it from other places. Like they, if, if God can provide that through other, through church, through small groups, That's through, true. you know, through other good, good places. And so for me, I think I like, it was one of those things my, in my family, my parents are great parents, but we had a, my dad had cancer growing up. So it was a lot of really, I think just, I was an easy kid, super easy to take care of, didn't raise my voice too much. Just was super low maintenance as a kid. And that was really my value in the family is to not, not cause, you know, waves. any trouble. Yeah, not cause waves or sometimes even, um, to stabilize when other people were causing waves to, for me to be the one that gave up a little bit of, okay, I'll come under, I'll, I'll, I'll subsume myself. Mm -hmm. And so everybody else, so I can stabilize. And I think that kind of, it did, it, it didn't allow me to build a very solid sense of self. And in fact, my value in that system was to not have a solid sense of self. Mm -hmm. And so I think, and even though all the intentions were good, we're all working toward the goal of helping my mom and my dad was sick, all good intentions. But as you get older, if you don't build that, you don't really, you're going out into the world with no confidence. And I think that's kind of what happened to me. So if you're talking to a person like me who is saying, okay, I'm super big, <laughs> I'm a huge perfectionist and I hate, you know, I can't bear to look at my faults all the time. I hate failing. Um, I just feel like a loser. Like I can't just go, ah, oh, I tried and I failed. Like it has to become that I'm also a failure. How would you help them start to regain that sense of self-regard as they're like, as an adult? Can you regain it? Oh, definitely, definitely. I always thought um, there's about three ways. Okay. Okay. So the first thing that's important is to have that value imputed. And so we've got to surround ourselves with the right people. The people okay. who, as an adult, who yeah. are going to be positive about us, who are going to do positive things, uh, who love the Lord, mm -hmm. you know, preferably things like that. And then the flip side of that is we cannot permit ourselves to be berated by others. Yes. If we have negative people in our life, who are really bringing us down verbally, be it over the phone or in mm -hmm. person, we have got to severely limit yeah. their access to us. Mm -hmm. uh, we train people how to treat us. That's so true. And so we want to ruthlessly remove a negative input from others that's cruel, yes. you know, heavily corrective and cruel, while we're in the process of rebuilding this sense of self, yeah, yeah very critical. Good. A second thing um, you alluded to a little bit earlier when you said 
you would try things. Mm -hmm. Well, it is so important to be proactive, mm -hmm. to move, yeah. to do something, to um, try new things. Yeah. I've always found that when we try to do something that deep within us feels very important yeah. to accomplish, the two things can happen. Okay. One, this isn't working. And I can respond to that in two ways. Mm -hmm. I can either let it go or I can push through it. Okay. So it is important to get the Holy Spirit's um, opinion about what we do. Yeah. And sometimes if it's a new hobby, if it's a worthwhile thing that we're learning to do, if it's going back to school, if it's learning to cook if we've never tried <laughs> before, um, if it's helping someone who really yeah. needs some help, and we keep hitting a brick wall, oftentimes that means we're, we're actually supposed to push through it. Wow. And yeah. we need the courage and the bravery and the momentum to try. You know, a lot of times I think people see that resistance as a sign that they're not, they're doing the wrong thing. But the truth is you can only ever build your confidence, build your sense of self. And I would say in, in, in relation to emotional intelligence, build that self-regard by pushing through and doing what you thought you couldn't do. Exactly. And then on the other side of that, you go, wow, that was really hard, but I did it. And that that you go, wow, I can do some things I didn't think I can do. And that builds confidence. So I think as a parent, sometimes we want to protect our kids from failure. And so we don't push them to try things. And especially if they say, oh, I'm not really good at that. We're like, we don't want you to be embarrassed because we acutely know what that feels That's like, right. right? But really it's good to let them try and, and encourage them, don't give up, keep going. Okay, yes, yeah, so you only have a few more months of this. Let's, let's finish the season or let's finish what we've committed to. Yeah. Because I think people, they learn how to push through and that does build confidence. I know one of the things for me is that when I did something right, I would kind of just rush through it. Okay, I did that goal checked off, now let's go to the next goal. And I wouldn't let myself feel the joy of meeting that goal. I wouldn't, so I'm almost like I didn't wanna um, jinx myself <laughs> I know, by being excited true. about it, you know? But when you don't celebrate your wins and you don't let yourself feel the success that you achieve, mm -hmm. I think that that can hurt your confidence too. Instead, like you're just lost, but then you'll wallow in your failures, but then you won't celebrate your successes. And so one of the things that helped me was I had to learn how to celebrate success. And that is a really important part of the worksheets, by the way, that, um, that I have in the link on my bio. If you download those, it'll walk you through kind of how to hold on to that feeling of success and recognize it. And I didn't recognize what it felt like to be successful. So that was a big thing about self-regard. And um, so what are some practical things, like talking about unrealistic expectations? Do you think that hurts, that, can, that people kind of labor under that a little bit? Um, like thinking you're gonna win the lottery or something. Like, yeah, or like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in, um, I'm gonna take gymnastics and also I'm gonna go to the Olympics. Right. It's not just like, I'm going to gymnastics because I think, I think tumbling looks fun. Exactly. Like you're not doing things for fun anymore. People have really unrealistic expectations on themselves or on their children or, you know, even on their spouses or even on their job. I think people expect their job to be the super fulfilling thing when it might not be. Right, I think being present moment oriented is the key to that. Yeah. Is that whatever we're doing, I heard somebody say one time, wherever you are, be there. Yeah. And to enjoy the moment and to work the job that you're in, yes, maybe you're looking for something better, but to enjoy where you are, do the best that you can on that day, because really it's all we have. Yeah, it really is. You know, at a time. And to be around safe people is key to bounce off these ideas. Yeah. Like, you know, you um, turn 
65 the other day and you're planning to go to the Olympics. Okay, <laughs> so that's a I still, I'm not giving up on my exactly. dreams. Exactly, that's a little bit unrealistic. Um, but if we have safe friends who will speak into our lives yeah. and, and guide us, then we'll realize, well, maybe that's not the best idea, but I do enjoy being active and tumbling, and so <laughs> I'm gonna keep it up because I love it. Yeah, I love playing tennis, so maybe I'm not gonna go to, the, to Wimbledon at this exactly. point in my life, but I'm just not gonna quit playing because we have to recognize that things return joy to us mm -hmm. as well, and that's part of, like you said, being aware in the moment. If you're in the moment, you'll know when something is giving joy to you, and I think that's a big part of, maybe not confidence, but that sense of self. This is what makes me happy. And yeah. as we're joyful, people are drawn to us. Yes. It's quite magnetic. And it's quite a blessing. And they'll, you know, I remember Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. And so having that joy, then people will want that and it will spill over onto them as well. Yeah, that's true. And you want people to imitate the best in you for sure. And having that joy. And I think you have to work extra hard in the day that we're in, maybe to cultivate joy a little more. Because think, so if you think of, it's like an ecosystem. The world is like an ecosystem. And it very naturally produces pain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it very naturally produces disappointment. But we have to garden our lives, like tend to our lives to guard those moments and, and take hold of moments that produce joy. Almost create those moments. Being really intentional about them, that's what I found. Because if you just let, if you just go with the default, it's gonna be pain and disappointment and frustration because that's just kind of, you know, the default, that's the default of, of everything in this world. But if you are intentional about cultivating joy mm -hmm. and finding those moments and noticing happiness when, when it comes to you, catch it, don't that's just right. throw it on, but catch it and hold it. Don't just catch it and throw it. Right. You know, that's one of the big things that has helped me, honestly, with building that sense of self, being able to say what I like, not just what I don't like. Right. But this is, I'm not just a, a collection of don'ts. Mm -hmm. Right, but I'm also a collections of I am a collection of I ams. Ooh, that's good. You know, I like I like this. I don't like this. I am funny. I am smart. I am consistent. I am like these. You know, having that sense of who you are, not just what you don't like and who you're not. And I think a lot of times, going back to the parenting thing, when we only parent our kids with corrections. We're doing. We're we're putting a lot of I am nots around them. Mm -hmm. But what, what is the I ams that we're putting into them? Because that's where the self lives, right? That's right. I think uh, if everybody could try to an answer a question like, I'm a person who blank. Yeah. And fill that in with as many positive things as you can. Yeah. And you'll really learn a lot about yourself. And if you don't have, you know, five or six or ten sentences like that, you know, begin to go after that. Yeah. How can people, how can people do that? If they sit down to write their, I am a person who, and they draw a blank after one or two sentences, what can they do? What can they do to sort of begin to cultivate that sense of self that would lead to high self-regard? They've got to decide maybe going back to when they were little and what was fun for them. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be something that was fun for someone else, just them. Yeah. And begin to find a way to get more fun in your life and do something. I am a person who cares about the environment. I am a person who loves to kayak because I'm out in the fresh air. And just on and on and on, whatever it was when you were little. I am a person who was great at coloring in the lines <laughs> from preschool. And they even have adult coloring books now yeah, they that, do. that people love. And I think that is a fantastic idea. I love adult coloring books. It's a very, it's a very relaxing activity. I could never understand it before, but somebody gave me one and I started just messing around with it. And I'm like, oh, I see why people like this. Because it is, it sort of takes your mind off of whatever else you could be thinking about. It's interesting how play and fun 
are usually the first things to go when we get busy, but really they're really important to our soul. That's very true. Very we want to resurrect that in our life. Yes, yes. And that, I mean, what are you going to be here for? And the, what, if you're not having fun, you're not going to want to be in the now. If you're mm -hmm. never creating, if you're never um, expressing who you are, if you're never uh, having experiencing joy, then why would you want to be in the now? Right. We have to create environments and experiences that kind of ground us and help keep us in the now. So, um, and then, and the clip, this is going to be the last thing about attitude. You know, we always hear like your attitude determines your altitude and it can kind of seem like a, I don't know, a, um, just a cliche or something on a, you know, success poster, but really talk about what is attitude and, and how does it impact us? Well, I guess an, another way of looking at it would be the, oh, the word mood. Okay. Okay. And we know feelings, we know anger, sadness, and fear, and joy. But a mood is a feeling that stays a little bit longer. It lasts. Okay. And so one thing to know about that is that we can choose our mood. Wow. We have that kind of power. Whoa, okay. That if being angry at this minute this is not the right place and not the right time. We can park that feeling on the back burner and come back to it later yep. and choose the mood that's right for now. Ah, oh, that's good. Now, how does, that's a great visual. Put that, park that feeling on the back burner, but not ignore it, but come back to it later. So what does that look like? How, do you, how would you mentally, if you're practicing that, what are you doing in your head? What's going on in here when you're practicing that? Well, you're taking a moment to acknowledge what you're mad about. Okay. You know, something happened. I'll tell you something that happened to me yesterday. There's a fellow who cuts <laughs> some grass near a pond where I live, and he sprays weed killer on the ground so he doesn't have to cut the grass. It made me very mad. <laughs> and so um, I was time to go to work and be with the kids that I work with. And it was not time to think about that. <laughs> and so I had to park it for the rest of the day and be very present with the people that I was with because they matter so much Yeah. that, and this is in all our environments, when we go to work, when we go to school, it's important how we present. Yeah. Because deep down inside all of us, we wanna be influential. Yes. We wanna help others. Yeah, we you do, know, Especially yes. with Christ in us, you know, yeah. him working through us. And so it's important that we choose our mood mm -hmm. that's fitting for the time and place so that we can have the most effectivity on others. And did you go back to your dead grass? I did. So what was that like to go back to? Did, did you get mad again or were you, did, had you processed it enough to just decide a course of action? I decided a course of action and I begun to consult the proper people. Ah, who you had, didn't go find the guy, like try to ambush him while he was- I didn't. <laughs> Um, although, when I did consult the proper authorities, I said, let me know if you would like me to talk to the gentleman. <laughs> did they Hoping say, that no, they, haven't got, they haven't gotten back to me. <laughs> Hopefully, they'll be like, no, we'll handle it. <laughs> I think we can handle this, Ms. Simpson, but thank you for the offer. Yes. That is very funny. So, um, yeah, you can go back and revisit it and maybe even would have a better course of action for the waiting. That's true. It's very empowering to know that your moods don't have to control you. It is so think? much true, yes. And that in itself is another way to build the solid self. I'm it, not driven by this. I am in control of this. Right. So good. Carrie, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, and, you're so um, welcome. We love, I just love talking to you. I hope that you all have enjoyed uh, this session with Carrie. It's been so good just to hear about, honestly, what an important part a solid self plays in 
our self-regard, accepting ourselves and knowing who we are. That is such a basis of being able to control and uh, really self-regulate our emotions. So um, like I said, I put up some really helpful worksheets for you that are downloadable. They're in the link in the bio. And I hope that you'll go uh, download them and work through them this week and that you'll comment and let me know how those worked out for you. Let me know how some anything changed or how those impacted you and how this, uh, how this session impacted you. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, hope you had a great time today and I'll see you next week. Hey, thanks again for joining us here at the Carrie Weems podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to share it with your friends and followers on social media. And don't forget, one of the best ways you can help us get the word out is to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It's a simple and easy way that you can help us spread the word about the great teaching that Carrie has been sharing. Plus, if you would like Carrie to answer one of your questions in an upcoming episode, we would love to hear them. All you have to do is email them to us at info at Don't forget to follow on social media to stay up to date on all the latest resources that are releasing on Instagram and Twitter at Carrie Weems, or you can find Carrie on Facebook as well. And of course, for a full list of all the available books and resources, just visit CarrieWeems.com. Once again, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.